What's up, everybody? This is Fred Ricciani of TSC News. I have right here on the line a very special guest. She is the woman everybody is calling the virtuosa. She's taking the wrestling scene by storm. You may have seen her on WWE NXT, WWE SmackDown, various Impact Wrestling specials, and, of course, Ring of Honor, where she's part of the Ring of Honor Women of Honor Tournament. I'm talking to <laughs> Deanna Perrazzo, fellow New Jerseyan. Deanna, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Now, first of all, before we get into your career, all the great momentum you have, I just want to say, as somebody that's also from New Jersey, I just want to personally thank you for not doing a stereotypical New Jersey gimmick. <laughs> Seriously, no problem. That was like my biggest fear when I started wrestling, was I was going to have to be like New Jersey Shore Italian, and I just didn't want to do that at all. <laughs> now, for the record, you are actually Italian, and you are actually from New Jersey, so you're not a poser. <laughs> Yes, no, I am actually Italian and from New Jersey, not from Staten Island. So, <laughs> when you, when you got started, did anybody try to pitch that idea to you? Because at the time you broke in, I think that was around the time where uh, another former guest of TSC, Robbie E, was doing the gimmick, and he was he was, he was pretty successful at it. There were several other people doing kind of like that that whole Jersey Shore thing, and you, you know, did anybody come up to you and say, "Hey, Deanna, you know, why don't you go join my stable and you know, let's let's hop on this uh, Jersey Shore bandwagon." <laughs> Luckily not, because Robbie E. is one of the people that were uh, around me when I had first started training quite a bit. So um, I couldn't do that, but people were very um, adamant about, like, just be you and be, who, be Italian and be your character. And it took me a really long time to just embrace that and accept that that's who I am and that's who I'm going to be. Um, but at first, no. Yeah, and for you, you, you've had a lot of momentum these last few years, and obviously you've busted your butt to get where you're at, uh, put in a lot of hard work, but you're relatively, yeah. you're still relatively young in the business, and you've been pretty much everywhere. I mean, like I said at the top of the show, NXT, SmackDown, Impact Wrestling. Of course, you've been a cornerstone of the ROH women's division, and now they are finally getting set to crown the finally. inaugural ROH Women of Honor champion. What's it like to put yeah. in all that work to be somebody that's been beating that drum for so long, being an outspoken person and say, hey, you know, we want opportunities and to finally get it right now? Um, it's really exciting because not even just in the last five years that I've been wrestling have I worked for these opportunities, but in a way, like, I was a little girl that wanted to do this. And I saw, you know, at 9 and 10 and 11 years old how women were treated uh, t treated in wrestling. So. Um, I always had this this picture in my head and envisioned women's wrestling being the way it is today and getting these opportunities and being seen as tr serious competitors and true athletes. So um, to see this kind of evolution, as they say, of how uh, women have come to rise in the last few years is really incredible because it didn't start with me at 18 when I started wrestling. It started in this this little girl that was nine years old. How much of a difference is there from you starting at 19 to, to now in terms of how women have been perceived? Because uh, uh, even just a few years ago, you know, women were, some women were still looked at as eye candy, booked as eye candy, booked as valets, didn't get a lot of time in the card. Now they're, they're yeah. the main attraction. Now, you know, like, for example, Tennille Dashwood, who just joined ROH, she's headlining shows. Mm -hmm. She's doing her thing. I mean, she's the main event. I mean, it, it, has there been a big change since you first started? Yeah, I mean, I feel like everyone's go-to is to talk about, you know, WWE and, um, you know, their women's revolution, but it's really changed on the independent scene as well. I mean, you see so many um, all-women independent wrestling companies popping up all over the country, um, and if it's not an all-women's card, it's three or four women's matches, or there's, there is valets, or there is managers, or there's women referees, and 
um, just across the board in professional wrestling, women have been given so many opportunities um, from an independent level all the way up. So there's been a change completely across the board. Would you would you attribute that to the early days of NXT with with Paige and Tennille, or would you go back like further than that? Like, when did you start seeing the change? Like, was there somebody or some promotion or some movement in particular that you noticed uh, being a wrestler that kind of helped drive the change in the right way? Um, I mean, I tend to say that I don't even know if it started in professional wrestling. I think having um, strong women athletes all over the world who have been working for women's equality and uh, you know women to. Um, be more than just, you know, the sideshow or the afterthought. Um, that really sparked this whole women's movement in the last few years. It's, it hasn't just been professional wrestling. It's been women in sports and women's athletes all over the world. Who drew you into professional wrestling back in the day? Um, I, I, you can't quote me on who exactly it was, but I think Stone Cold Steve Austin hit maybe Chris Jericho. Um, over the head with the chair and that was the first moment that I can remember being like holy crap what is this and it just hooked me uh, I needed to know like every single thing about whatever this crazy thing that I just saw was and um, once I got to see the women do it and I got to see Trish and Lita and Victoria and Jacqueline and these just strong powerful women do this intense thing um, I knew that one day if I did it I could do it too so uh, Trish Stratus has always been like my little inspiration for being a women's wrestler. And she looked awesome in that women's Royal Rumble match. I mean, I know she's, oh, she's so great, but I mean, seriously, she yeah. didn't miss a beat. Absolutely not. And she literally is more beautiful today than she was the last time she was in a wrestling ring. Like, I don't know what she does or how she, how she does it, but she just keeps getting better. <laughs> she, she's definitely on that reverse aging plan. Absolutely. Who got you started in professional wrestling? Because from what I understand, you did train under our mutual friend, Rip Rogers, who, who's mm -hmm. the man. Um, so I started at a place called D2W, um, and it was right out of Wharton, New Jersey, which was about 20 minutes from where um, I grew up. So um, I drove past the place that they run shows every month, and I saw like a big banner on the, on the VFW, and that it, it said, like, Pro Wrestling Live every month. And for some reason, D2W stuck with me. And when I got home, I researched it and I saw they had um, a wrestling school. So, you know, a few weeks later, I went and I signed up. And uh, Damian Adams is actually my trainer. Um, he still is today. And he kind of set me up to, you know, not only just learn professional wrestling, but be successful at it. Which is great. And how did you, going from New Jersey, end up in Louisville, Kentucky under Rip Rogers? A man, for those that don't know, is not only a, a pro wrestling veteran, very well respected in the ring, but a guy that also mentored the likes of Brock Lesnar, John Cena, CM Punk, and Randy Orton. Yeah, um, Damien actually uh, is an OVW alumni, so um, we would take trips with other students or just him and I and go down to OVW and uh, take extra sessions with Rip and kind of use it as a vacation, but also to do uh, OVW house shows and OVW TV and just kind of um, get that whole experience. When you first told your family and friends, hey, uh, I think I'm really going to try doing this professional wrestling thing, their initial reaction was? Well, I didn't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, everyone knew that I had wanted to be a professional wrestler. Um, and, you know, it's like a weird thing. And, you know, like I was a cheerleader and I was a gymnast and it was kind of like, uh, no, you're going to go to college and you're going to do the college thing. And uh, I tried that. But um, I think people just thought it was a phase that I was going through. And eventually, like, I'd grow out of it. And I just never did. 
Um, so when I did sign up for wrestling school, I didn't tell anyone and I just went and I did it and I came home and I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a wrestler. I told you. Um, and I think my mom was more mad that I like signed this contract to pay all this money, uh, without her seeing it or knowing what I did. Um, but you know, now they're really supportive about it. Now they say in wrestling timings, everything, and you're somebody that's obviously very talented and hardworking, but I think you picked a pretty damn good time to get in the business because these last few years, you know, with the women's wrestling evolution, with the indies being so hot, I mean, it's, I think it's a great time to be a, a talented pro wrestler outside of WWE. Can you attest to how hot the indies are right now? Because you're hearing from so many guys and girls that are be able to make a living outside of WWE and these other big promotions. Yeah, I mean, if you look around and see, um, you know, even if you're watching WWE TV, like if I turned on Raw right now, uh, you could look, you know, to the audience that is at hard cam and you could see Bullet Club shirts and Villain Club shirts and Joey Ryan shirts. And um, all these people have shirts and pro wrestling, uh, their pro wrestling T-shirts in Hot Topic stores. And I think that there's been a transition in the last year, two years of where independent wrestling has found this ability to become mainstream and um, identify with not even just casual wrestling fans, but casual people. Um and I think that's super important. I think, you know, that's how the Young Bucks and that's how Marty Skrull, they, that's how they make their money. It's through their merchandise sales and um, it's, it's through the roof right now. So it's incredible for people to be able to make a living independent wrestling and to be traveling the world and keep a schedule that a lot of these people do. I mean, uh, I know just through personal experience with Marty, like he's never home and he's when he is, he's jet lag and he's sleeping and then he's in an airplane again. So, you know, for people to keep a schedule that, some would say is harder than a WWE schedule is crazy just for independent wrestling. Oh, absolutely. But I, I got to say what Marty and, and the bull cup guys are, are doing and really just a, a lot of guys and girls on the independent scene right now and the respective promotions, I feel like they're really kind of taking advantage of the internet and, and streaming and everything kind of like similar to ROH. I mean, ROH, I know just launched uh, the honor club streaming service, but yeah. you know, before then ROH was known for its DVDs and they were, better than anybody at kind of distributing those DVDs and getting that word of mouth and building up buzz for guys. And I feel like a lot of promotions right now are kind of at the forefront of that when it comes to streaming, which is why you hear about people like yourself and, and Marty Skrull and others. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just, you know, evolution and it's a byproduct of, you know, the, the time we live in. But it's really, um, you know, Damien had been wrestling for 16 years now and he says that social media has changed the way people get booked on independent shows and the way people contact promoters to be booked and it, it changed so much because if someone wants to know about me and they hear my name from someone they could just youtube me and that wasn't a thing 10 years ago 12 years ago you had to put your video on a vhs and send it in a manila envelope and hope someone looked at it you know so there's so much more access to wrestling today um through twitter through instagram through youtube it's at our fingertips and i think you know guys like the Young Bucks or Marty or Cody Rhodes and Joey Ryan, these people that are super successful in just independent wrestling right now um, have found this this niche using social media to, to access more people than just wrestling fans. And, and I feel like it's kind of like a, a reality era in some ways. I know Triple H kind of coined that phrase in a, di in a different time, but I feel like more reality in the sense that like, yeah, like, you know, Marty and yourself and a lot of other people, like, you know, they, they do have like a character on television, but I really feel like the fans like these days kind of connect a lot more on, on a personal level with you guys. And because they can emotionally invest in you guys in the ring and out of the ring, that lends to more support wherever you go. Yeah, I think everyone wants to feel like they know someone or feel like uh, 
they're personal with another person. I think that's just human instinct. So um, to be able to use social media as a tool to get to know people and to know fans by name or to be able to recognize their face, it makes people feel special. And I think that's something that's really been useful um, in becoming successful independent wrestlers because you don't always have TV to get who you are across and you don't always have that interaction and meet and greets and things like that. So I think to be able to, for me in New Jersey, to be able to talk to fans that I've met in Japan last year and still have that connection, it means more when I go back and I get to see them again. Um, So for anyone to be able to use these tools, it really helps you grow your own brand. Now, we know Rip Rogers is very big when it comes to the fundamentals. What's the most important <laughs> lesson that the hustlers taught you? Oh, you know, honestly, like everyone likes to talk about, you know, American psychology, and he's so big on that. But I think more so he he's taught me just to, like, kind of go with the flow and do what I'm supposed to do and to realize that this is a job and it's not always about me and uh, just do what I'm asked and be overprepared in any situation. Now a lot of people are a little surprised because they because you've been booked everywhere you know before you, you signed a, a deal with Ring of Honor I'm sure you, you still have bookings outside of ROH and everything um, a lot of people were surprised that you didn't end up in WWE or Impact was that yeah. kind of by choice in order to get more experience or was it just at the time not meant to be and yeah um, I just think at the time like like we talked about earlier we said you know timing is everything and I just when I was in NXT and when I did stuff with impact it just wasn't the right time for me and I wasn't offered a contract um through all the work that I did if I was just extra talent and enhancement talent and I was okay looking back at it now I'm okay with that because it wasn't my time and I think that um, I was able to learn and I was able to grow from those experiences and become a better professional wrestler for it. Um, but now I'm able to be at a place that I've always considered my home and Ring of Honor allows me to be the wrestler I see myself as. I get to put myself in the forefront and do the job for me the way that I see fit. Where in these other companies, I was enhancement talent. I had to do the job how they saw fit. And through all those experiences, I've been able to create myself a little bit better. Yeah, and I think it helps too, right? Because you get a you get a better grasp of who you are in the ring, your personality, and everything. So, you know, knock on wood, you do end up, you know, staying in Ring of Honor, rising up the ranks, or eventually going to WWE or, or wherever. You're going to be uh, a lot more polished and well-rounded. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big proponent of you never stop learning, and I, I want to know everything about this that I could ever possibly know one day. So. Um, to be able to listen to Triple H speak on professional wrestling and get William Regal's opinion or, you know, pick uh, Johnny Saint's mind backstage or then go to Impact and talk to Gail Kim and talk to Madison Rain or Pat Kenny and then go to Ring of Honor and talk to Delirious, who's completely different from all those people. I mean, you pick up things from each person you meet. So um, I've been luckily been able to be surrounded by some of the best in the business for years and and. I've experienced a lot in just a few years. So um, it's telling of, of the talent that I have, but also, you know, what, what I've been able to experience. We asked a, a few fans if they had any questions, and evidently enough, we have a lot of fans that are fluent in uh, Perazzo. You have some time for questions? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, right here from Scott Anderson. Who is your dream opponent, and have you faced her yet? I have not. My dream opponent would be Serena Deeb. Um, but she just signed a contract to uh, start training at the Performance Center. So I don't think that that's ever going to happen, but if I had to have a dream opponent, it would be her. And I also think she's 
criminally underrated. A lot of people just know her from that brief <laughs> WWE stint, but I mean, she's considered a, a legend on the independent scene. Yeah, I mean, um, when I first started training, that was who Rip compared me to, and that's who he always said I reminded him of. So I just I studied her, and I just, I mean, I've gotten to meet her now, and we know each other, and uh, she's just a ten times more amazing person than she is a wrestler. So if I ever had to, to get in the ring with someone, it, I would love for it to be her. If not her, who else? Somebody that's that's not signed by Daddy B, that's not restricted. Is there anybody out there right now that you think there's a match you could make happen, realistically speaking, in 2018? Uh, um, um, hmm, I don't know. Is Trish Stratus willing to wrestle? <laughs> <laughs> maybe you'll run into her. Hey, maybe you can run into her at WrestleCon or something. Convince her. I, I hope so, because I'm yet to meet her, and I think that I will die. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this one right here is from Alan Wu. When did you realize that wrestling was tougher than you thought? Um, I thought it would be tough, but I didn't realize how tough until my very first day of training. I uh, learned how to take a bump and fall backwards, and I had to do that like 150 times. And when I left, my trainer was like, okay, so we have practice on Sunday. And I was like, yeah, I'll totally be here, no problem. Uh, I didn't get out of bed for like a week. Uh, just because I physically could not muster up the strength to do it, I was in so much pain. And in that moment, I was like, is this really what I want to do right now? Um, but, you know, you adapt and you learn. So. Classic Dutton Eyes says, I really enjoyed your stuff in Impact Wrestling. I know you're signing ROH, but is there a chance that we could see you back there kind of mixing it up? I guess what he's trying to ask is, are you just exclusive to Ring of Honor right now? Or are you open right. to going to you know, work with other promotions that might have some television? Um, I cannot, uh, per my contract, work with any other promotions that have television. So no WWE, no NXT, no Impact, uh, no Lucha Underground, stuff like that. But um, I'm free to do any independent wrestling uh, all over the world. So you can definitely see me at a show there, but unfortunately not Impact. Hey, Jeremy asks, who's your favorite opponent? Oh, um, I mean... If I had to pick a favorite, because I just like to beat them all. Um, <laughs> Karen Q, by far, Karen Q. Why's that? Um, we trained together, and I just I think she's a fantastic wrestler. I think um, she's just getting started, and she's just someone that, uh, as a person outside of wrestling, she's one of my best friends. We just click, and in the ring, um, we just are on the same page. We get each other, and uh, it's just fun to be able to wrestle someone um, who has the same ideals in wrestling as you and sees wrestling the same way, but is, can match you toe-to-toe in anything that you do. And she's one of the people who always give me a run for my money. That's a pretty good reason for her to be your favorite opponent, then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ajane Totten asks, all right, this, this might be a little bit of a controversial one. What's your biggest pet peeve in professional wrestling? Um, That's easy. Uh, I hate when wrestlers are in the ring and they're pulling at their gear. Um get something that fits, <laughs> you know, when you get your gear made, um, send measurements that are correct or go to someone to get the measurements done for you. I just think, uh, that's my biggest pet peeve because instead of watching the move or how you sell it or what's next and the transition to it, I'm watching you pick your wedgie and I don't want to see that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't expect that one. Hey, that's, that's good advice for, for, any, yeah. for any wrestlers <laughs> that are watching. You got some pretty badass gear. Who makes your gear? Um, I have a guy out in California whose name is Manuel. He makes all my gear for me. He's 
fantastic. He does anything I ask. And um, I just, I send him replicas of my clothes and I say, this is what fits me well, make this. And uh, it always fits well. And if it doesn't, I send it back because again, I don't, I just think it's distracting. I think it takes away from what we're doing and we're putting our body at risk every time we get in the ring. So I want fans to get the most out of the damage that I'm doing to myself instead of looking at me pull my bra strap or whatever it is. I just think it takes away from the art of what we do. What do you think is your best performance up to this point? Like, is, is there a match where, that you had that just kind of clicked that you said, you know, obviously you still want to learn, you, you're always learning, but is, is there one match yeah. where, where you just said to yourself afterwards backstage, like, man, you know, I'm really starting to get this. It's starting to click for me. Um, I think it wasn't even a match on a show. Um, I, Rip Rogers came up in the summer of 2014, I believe it was, and NYWC did a seminar with him and Mike Mondo, and I had met Mike five minutes before, and Rip was like, okay, Mike, Deanna in the ring, you're gonna do an hour Broadway, go ahead, ring the bell, and the whole time, I had no idea, uh, what I was doing, I was just listening to Mike, and it was on the fly, no planning before, um, I didn't even know half the things that he was telling me to do or how to do them. He was just doing them himself. <laughs> um, and about 20 minutes in, I was like, if I just die right now, and it, that's just it. And the match is over and I don't have to do it. I just have to die. And uh, <laughs> you kind of get a second wind. And after that, I could kind of start to to pick things apart and understand why we did what we did in, in the order that we did them and the, the old school American psychology behind it. So I think... For me, um, that was probably the match that put everything into perspective for me. Ooh, this is also a, a really good one from Scott. What are your biggest pro wrestling do's and don'ts? I, I guess as like a young, as a young wrestler, Ooh. like what's something like you should definitely do, and what's something that you absolutely want to avoid doing to piss everybody off? Um. Oh God, I don't know. Um, is there anything you witnessed firsthand? Uh, you know, they say that, that, that you've seen that you're like, oh man, like that that person just just doesn't get it. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess it's like super. This is super cliche in wrestling, I guess. But like the biggest do or do not. So it kind of is both of them. Is like you need to when you're new in a place, you need to go up and introduce yourself and shake everyone's hand and just be respectful. Um, I think that a lot of people don't necessarily always do that in in situations that they should and i know at places like ring of honor or wwe or impact that's expected of you um you're a guest in those people's homes and you have to respect that so i think that's the biggest do and then do that don't do not do that (laughs) awesome and where can fans find you online to keep up with everything yeah everyone can follow me on twitter at diana perrazzo uh that's the best way to get in contact with me Great. Well, Diana, I really do appreciate the time. It was fun chatting with you. It's great to see your progress these last few years, and I wish you the very best going forward.